don't hit that skip button because I have huge news for you. The Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt lives. It is here. It is available to purchase. Oh, yes, I'm not kidding. We finally got our Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt out, and it's amazing. It is printed by the same company that prints for Cavity Colors and Fright Rags, which if you're a hardcore horror fan who buys a lot of horror t-shirts, I know I do, you know that's the very best and highest quality because we couldn't do anything less for our fans. It's an amazing full-color design designed by Jason Ragosta. It's very cool. It features a zombified myself, a zombified Damon, and it looks just like an awesome horror shirt because that's what we want because we're horror fans too. So we wanted to make a t-shirt that you could really sink your teeth into. Go to rewindoftheLivingDead.bigcartel.com. Again, that's rewindoftheLivingDead.bigcartel.com to get your t-shirt today. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. The success of The Conjuring films guaranteed there would be sequels and spinoffs, but it was only five days after The Conjuring 2 opened in theaters that a prequel called The Nun was announced. The latest spinoff would travel back further than any other film set in The Conjuring universe, with plans to take a deep dive into the demon nun known as Valak, who had become the main antagonist in the horror franchise. Set against the backdrop of a Romanian monastery in 1952, a priest and a nun in training are sent to investigate a mysterious suicide, but what they soon discover is an evil and malevolent presence trying to escape. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw a nun. visions reached the church and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania the abbey has a long history Valak. not all good what Kalian's here episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we travel back in time in the Conjuring universe to where the story began as we review the 2018 prequel, The Nun. dead i'm father damon martin and i'm sister patricia guerra <laughs> i'm glad How you picked you, up my son? that was totally unplanned but I'm, i was wondering if you were going to say sister i was hoping you would i was kind of <laughs> well pick once up you said I, father i had to go sister pick up pick up what i was putting down yes tonight <laughs> folks we are talking about the 2018 prequel 
to The Conjuring Universe, The Nun. Now, on this show, Patrick, we reviewed two Conjuring films thus far. We reviewed the original Conjuring, and then that was in lead-in to the last Conjuring film, which was The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Now, of course, we all know in a matter of days at this point, The Nun 2 is going to open in theaters. Thus, why we are traveling back into The Conjuring Universe to talk about the nun did you realize there's nine movies in this film universe i didn't realize that so i was like i was getting ready for the podcast i was writing my intro i was doing my research and i was like are there really nine movies in the series this is the very very successful franchise damon the conjuring universe is a real thing it's big rumors are that it spreads to like all those movies like it spreads to um malignant and uh uh, probably Megan, you know, that's it's probably all is exists somehow in the Conjuring universe. Um, but yeah, we are talking the nun tonight, a movie that I have never seen. This is my first time seeing it. Is this your first time? Mine as well. Yeah, I never saw it. So funny story about it. So a few years ago at San Diego Comic-Con, which you and I talk about quite a bit because we go every year, um, I got into Scare Diego, which was a little thing thrown at a theater, which is no longer there, by the way, the theater they used to put it at. The theater, they, it was a real small theater, maybe like 150 seats. And you had to get, it was real hard to get tickets to it. But they did it every year at the start of Comic-Con, like the Thursday night, or maybe it was even the Wednesday night of Comic-Con starting, like preview night. And basically it was put on by New Line Cinema and they would preview their horror movies coming up for the year. So I got to go one year and this was, had to be five years ago because it was before the nun opened and that was the main attraction was the nun they were selling that big james wan was there uh gary doberman who wrote it was there colin hardy who directed it was there uh and they also they presented clips to a couple they did clips to the curse of la llorona which is another film from the conjuring universe Um, they also showed the first footage to it chapter two which was just like very early in production at that point um so yeah, so I got to so and they had a really good. I'll be honest, like, again, I hadn't seen the movie, and I was at that point I had not seen a single Conjuring film, so I was kind of lost. But I knew I knew what the Conjuring was, I just hadn't seen it. Yeah. Uh, but out in the out in the lobby when you leave it, it was an old theater. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's not there anymore, but it was an old theater down in the gas line of San Diego. So when you walked out of the auditorium into the lobby, and it was an older theater. When everyone left, they had all these people dressed in the nun outfits with the black face masks over their eyes. So it's just like these black, like black robed nuns just lining the lining the lobby as you walked out. It was really freaky. Like, I'm not going to lie. Walking <laughs> out, I was like, because they, they weren't there when you walked in. When you walked out, they're all there waiting for you. And it was pretty freaky. It was a really cool little trick. And I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Five years later, I've actually seen the nun now. So, uh, yeah, I did. I didn't see it back then. Had no idea what I was seeing back with the the clips and the videos and what they were talking about. I still enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, so five years later, here we are, and we're actually going to talk about the nun. I wonder if the theater you're talking about is the old Smut House. There was a there was a one screen Smut House in downtown Gaslamp forever. And then I think they turned it in like now it's like a taco shop or something. I'm it was a sure one screen. It was a one screen theater. There was no. It wasn't like a multiplex because there used to be. We're getting way off topic here. There used to be like an actual <laughs> cinema in the gas lamp in San Diego. That's also gone now. But this yeah. was like a one. There was just an. But it was a nice theater. Like it was an old theater. But it was just like one screen, old school right. like chairs and like 
like or maybe said, it was maybe Balboa a, Theater. That could maybe could that's be that the, that's probably what it was. That's but, probably uh, more likely that they did yeah. it there instead of the Smut House. Now that yeah. I'm thinking about it, it's probably that's probably the Balboa Theater. There's your tour. There's your tour of downtown San Diego, folks, with the gas lamp for anyone who's never. Been I can there. walk you up and down San, San Diego's gas lamp and let you know where all the smut used to be. That it got rid of most of it. Yeah, so that's where I saw it. But again, I had no clue what I was seeing. I had no clue what I was watching. Everyone was very excited. They gave us a copy of Annabelle Creation as like a gift for going. And uh, so yeah, you have was, a copy uh, of Annabelle Creation. I do. I have a copy of Annabelle Creation. Amazing. Yeah. So and also they also gave us a copy of it, Chapter One. That was like a, a special. They had it, like on every seat. Huh. There was like a little bag. They gave us like gifts with those. So um, nice. It was a cool. But like I said, even though I didn't know what it was, it was a cool experience. But again. I was familiar with the Conjuring universe. I was just a late arriver to watching it. And now this is technically the first film in the series if we're going in sequence because The Nun travels back to 1952. Uh, and also, for anyone listening, just be aware, we're going full spoilers. This movie's five yes. years old, so we're not you know, trying to hide spoilers in this episode just to be aware. Uh, but yeah, it travels back to 1952 to Romania, and we get our first introduction to the demon nun Valak, who becomes the main antagonist in The Conjuring 2, and has since kind of become the main villain, so to speak, of The Conjuring universe. Now, I, I got to give him credit where credit is due, and I think we said this when we, when we because she wasn't in The Conjuring, um, no. so we really haven't had a lot of time to talk about Valak as a as a entity or villain or whatever you want to call it. Bonnie Aarons, of course, who plays her. I've met Bonnie. I know you have as well. Uh, incredibly nice woman. Uh, super talented. I'll be honest. Like, I'm not... I, I've, I've said this before. Like, I'm not a big haunted house person. That's not like my favorite genre of horror film. And I kind of that's kind of where I lump in The Conjuring, at least the first two films. Uh, it it sw switches a lot in the third one. But but I did. I, and I, said, I think I said this on the show before. Like The Conjuring 2, I actually liked better than The Conjuring. I like both films, but The Conjuring 2 is better. Valak, the nun Valak, as played by Bonnie Aarons, is one of the creepiest villains that has appeared in horror films in the last 20 years. Like, I'll stand by that. That nun is creepy as shit. I, uh, I, I, like you, have not seen much of The Conjuring universe, and most of it I saw because of this podcast. But I'm going to say this about Bonnie Aarons right now. Bonnie Aarons is a horror icon, full stop. I know the nun face without ever having to see the movies, without ever having to experience the Conjuring universe. I know the nun. And Bonnie Aarons embodies the nun. Bonnie Aarons is currently suing Warner Brothers for, uh, for man, uh, um, What's the what's the word I'm looking for here? Merchandising. Merchandise. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's looking she's suing for merchandising rights and it makes total sense. You cannot have the nun without Bonnie Aaron's. It's her face. It's her face with a little bit of a little bit of prosthetic, not much, but she embodies the nun. Give Bonnie Aaron's her money. She deserves it. She entertains you. She's worth every single penny. Give Bonnie Aarons her money. She is the nun. There is no nun without Bonnie Aarons. So give Bonnie Aarons her money. I'm going to say that full stop right here. Um, yeah, like you, Damon, this is it. This is my first time seeing the nun. But I, again, I know it because I know Bonnie Aarons' iconic face. Um, where do we start, Damon? <laughs> I was very excited, by the way, to sit down with this movie. Um, the budget's huge. $22 million. That's a huge budget. And, and, and the movie actually did pretty well. It grossed uh, about $365 million worldwide. So box office did great. 
Um, even though I didn't see it, doesn't matter. It did, it still did gangbusters. Um, when it opens up and saying, we're going to go back to 1950s Romania, I thought for sure we were going to get like a Dracula connection or something. <laughs> I was very excited for all that. Instead, what we get is a pretty wild cold open where two nuns are desperately, desperately trying to uh, unlock something in a, in a terrible dungeony place. And they are getting chased out by something just awful in the shadows. And then a nun, you know, one nun gets taken by something we don't see. And then the other nun runs off and, um, and she knows what she has to do. She wraps a noose around her neck and she jumps out of a second story window and kills herself. So right away, you just like hit the ground running with this movie. And I respect the hell out of that. And then the next imagery is like, uh, you know, a, a town, a, a townie finding her hanging. And she's all torn up from crows and stuff. I was like, God damn, this movie coming out hard. Like it really was. And the, then Damon, the, the opening was great. Let me just say that the opening was great. I really enjoyed the opening. It set the stage for what I thought was going to be a really strong film. It was a really cool opening, a creepy opening, scary, you know, I would argue scary opening with the nun rushing. I mean, she's literally rushing to commit suicide as something is chasing her through the monastery. Uh, yeah. it's, it was creepy as hell. So let me just first say the, the opening of this movie, the first like five minutes, amazing. They did an incredible job with that. Yeah, no, it, they really did. And then, you know, we kind of fast forward a little bit, not much actually, um, to Damien Bashir, who I think a lot of people know from a lot of things, father Burke being, uh, summoned to the Vatican to go check this thing out. And he brings along with him Sister Irene, played by Taisa Farmiga. And if that name sounds slightly familiar, that's because her older sister, Vera Farmiga, is uh, Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring series. And boy, I mean, they they almost look like twins or she just looks like a like a younger version of her older sister. So that's can be confusing. But at the same time, it's kind of cool to keep it in the family. And uh, this little ragtag group of of catholic warriors are headed to this abbey and they're going to find out what the hell happened out there and then they run into like you know the horniest town idiot in the world this guy named frenchie and and shit hits the fan from there damon am i am i missing something no that's pretty accurate uh yeah they they go to you go to the vatican and and we meet father burke uh played by the great damien Bashir. he's incredible i love him in uh in um uh, the hateful eight quentin tarantino's movie yeah. he's incredible as bob in that movie uh, that's right he's bob yeah he's bob he's really good in that movie uh he's in a lot of things he was in um uh weeds he was in that show for a while he's in a lot i mean he's been a million he's a busy things. guy very good very 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 good actor um so we meet him and then we meet sister irene who's a nun in training she hasn't taken her final vows yet she is but they decide that so this is okay let's get into the story because this is where things start getting a little convoluted and strange because they decide they send Father Burke, who we understand that he's like an investigator. He's he's like a church. He's like a church detective. OK, that's cool. I get that. And I'm sure that's yeah. probably a position that exists. They should probably have a better one, considering all the horrible things that go on in the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah. they're gonna, uh, maybe the detective, maybe you need a new detective. That's a whole other category. <laughs> um but he's hired. He's, they they bring him in and say, we had this nun who's committed suicide. We need you to go there and figure out what happened. But you're going to need to go take Sister Irene, and she's in some other convent in some other, was it Spain or something? I can't, where he picked something. her up, I can't remember. Yeah. 
So we meet Sister Irene, and she's teaching a class of children, and she's actually teaching the difference between religion and science, which, as an atheist, I fully appreciate it, by the way. Yeah, she's uh, kind of like gets, the fun nun. Yeah, and she gets told that she's going on this mission with Father Burke to investigate this Romanian monastery where a nun had killed herself. Now, the reason why Sister Irene was chosen was because she had visions when she was a young girl religious visions that got her into the church and basically introduced her to Catholicism. And all of her dreams ended with Mary. We have to admit the Virgin Mary, I assume is they're talking about the Virgin mm-hmm. Mary saying Mary points the way. And the church was just amazed by these visions and they invited her into the church. She's becoming a nun. But Patrick, can you explain to me why or how in the hell did that tie into her needing to be the second wheel on this mission? Because I never quite understood. Like, they made it a point. You got to go get Sister Irene. I was like, cool, that's fine. But they, like, the vision thing, I didn't, okay. All right. (laughs) I know. Shall we start over? Let's start over. (laughs) No, let's just get, let me get into two points, two points real quick. One. This was a this was a monastery that had been well at least in some sort documented throughout Catholic history of what it was. They had some idea of what it was, right? Mm-hmm. But yet they didn't say what it was. They didn't warn anybody. They didn't like I, the history part of the lesson here bugs me because like they they they're just like we need you to go investigate. Oh, by the way, just so you know, back in like you know. Many, many years ago, you know, people murdered a, a, a count or whatever they called him there, and he was yeah. in the occult, and he was trying to unleash demons, and they sit there, and they have to pray 24 hours a day to keep the demons at bay. Like, nobody knew that. Like, nobody had any history of that whatsoever. Nobody warned them. So that's problem one. And problem two was Sister Irene. Now, Sister Irene was an investigator in training. Problem solved, right? Like, I'm cool with that. Like she's she's training to become a nun, and she's going to become the first nun who will become an investigator in the church. That would be a cool plot, right? Like he's right. bringing her along. She's training, and she's going to be the first ever nun because we all know, like you know, you can't be a women can't be priests in the Catholic Church. So maybe she could be an investigator. Okay, that's a cool little twist, right? A cool little job. But no, they're just like go take Sister Irene. She had visions. Am I missing Um, that? Did I miss something? No, but there is problem three, and that is this movie has way too much shit going on. (laughs) Like, way too much. And it's it sort of reminds me, and this this might be too inside baseball, so forgive me, but it's basically reminds me of a bad pitch. And I don't mean literal baseball pitch. I mean like if you're pitching a movie. Um and people have done this to me before they go, Oh, I got an idea for a movie. Like, okay. So basically like this guy, he's, he's after this one thing. Um, and then he's going to go find it and he goes to this one town. Oh, but I forgot to tell you, there's also this other person and they know this thing and they have this thing that they do that they have a special thing that they can use. Um, but these other people know that that person does this. And then, so if they do that, then both of these people can do this thing. And then if it, does that make sense? Like that is how this movie plays. Yeah, there is so much shit going on and it doesn't seem like anyone's actually communicating is it really that's another weird thing about this movie is like father Burke I think he talks about um, which uh, here's another thing to add to the file oh by the way father Burke also had typical a bad exorcism an exorcism gone wrong in his past that leads that 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 puts a lot of guilt on him a couple weeks back we talked about um, uh, the Pope's exorcist 
something similar happens in that movie too. So it's a little cliche. It's something that we can play on a lot, which is, you know, priests um, participating in a bad exorcism and it leads to someone dying or, or some, some iteration of that. Well, that's also a part of this. And that kid is haunting him at this place as well. But is there anyone at this place? Yes, there are. There are these people that they walk and talk and, and talk to you and explain things to you. But then you turn around, they're not there. And I was like, is everyone is everyone like 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 poisoned by mold or something <laughs> like it just seemed like at, at every turn something was happening that that we hadn't gotten an explanation to yet or people didn't understand or did understand and then forgot i was so confused by the halfway point of this movie and it's in my notes i go this is is this insane or am i crazy and i think i even texted you i go am i insane or does this movie not make any sense they, the problem with the nun is they pull at so many different threads that you feel like you've lost track of where they're going. You know, it's yes. like it's like looking it's like it would be like handing a, a 20, 22 year old person an old school Rand McNally map and being like, figure out where you're going. Kids today. Yes, I'm aging myself here. I'm, 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 I'm fart. Yeah. Kids, you, you hand a kid a paper map with like just roads and highway. They would have no idea what the fuck they're looking at okay unless it's you know unless it's google maps or a gps wave or whatever that whatever the program is on on iphone they would have you hand them an old school paper map they would literally have no idea what they're doing and that's kind of what this looked like it just looked like a it looked like uh, 10 different roads and they were twisting and turning and they were turn signs and and highways and byways and off roads and they just kept winding down different streets and then they would curve like the whole idea again. No, we're not. We're not spoil. We're full spoilers here. Full. The the end of the movie. The, the, the when you get towards the end of the movie, you realize that all of the nuns in the monastery have been dead this entire time. The one who jumped out to kill herself was the last living nun in this monastery, and she did that so the nun, so the demon Valak wouldn't possess her and escape. The demon wanted to possess her, use her body to escape this unholy place or this church or whatever where, where the demon had been basically held in captivity for hundreds of years um or they had kept it at bay for hundreds of years and so the whole idea is every nun in the building was dead but yet throughout about three quarters of the movie there's another nun there's the lead nun there's the one nun who's hanging out and talking to sister irene there's another nun talking to father burke there's nuns walking through praying there's nuns at the altar praying like they're all hanging out and chilling and then come to find out at the end they're all dead now it was kind of it bugged me because like it's just so it was like such a stretch of the imagination that, oh yeah, they're all ghosts and they're all just hanging out here chilling and talking to the priest and the sister who show up to save them or to save the monastery or whatever. They make a point of saying at one point when um, Sister Irene walks into the chapel or walks into one of the, the sister, whatever it is, they're, they're, she walks in and she finds the one nun praying and she tries to interrupt her and another nun runs and says, oh no, don't interrupt her. We pray 24 hours a day in shifts because it's the only thing that keeps the evil at bay. Now, if all the nuns are dead, no one's actually praying. No one's no. been praying. No one's going to be praying. So what What was like? What was the point of that? Because at that point, the evil's already... If the, the point of the praying was to keep the evil at bay. The evil is no longer held captive. 
So why in the hell are we seeing these nuns make a big point about the praying when it really, by the end of the movie, we realized no one was praying. No one was there. Like, what was the point of that? It, it would have been really great if what they'd have done in that point is explain that there is some great power that is still keeping the nun at bay. Like, okay, yeah. if these if all these nuns can pray from the beyond to keep this nun at bay, the Valak at bay, then what is that power? What is that thing? Because then at some point, and here's another thing that pops up. There's there's not one, but two relics. One is the key to get to the actual relic itself, which is the blood of Christ, which should should vanquish Valak for good, should. But what you just said is why are all these nuns still praying if they're all completely dead? They don't have a way to pray, No, so no one should be stopping this. What's the power that's keeping those nuns there? <laughs> so fucking confusing. And Damon, don't even get me started with when Father Burke gets trapped in a grave how did he get trapped in a it's i watched i had to rewind the scene and i still don't see like logically how he went from like being outside to being in a buried grave and like he was really in it because sister irene had to go get him out of it so and how did that work? Did, what did I miss? She, he was chasing Daniel, the little boy that, had died that during yep. the exorcism, and he got scared and he just fell into an open grave that just happened to be there, and then the ground was just covered up. That's it. That's what happened. Can I also point out another thing I had a problem with that scene? You, you know, one of the things we talk about all on this podcast is like when you introduce something at the beginning, make sure it pays off in the end. Right. We've talked yep. about that a lot. When you check off gun, that's the rule. When you when you introduce some at the beginning, it needs to be like if you're telling me something early on, there needs to be a reason why you're telling me that. So when it happens at the end of the movie, it all connects. Now, that's a that's a pretty common tool in filmmaking and writing screenwriting. What I don't like, however, is when they over explain something and then it comes to pass five seconds later. <laughs> so they're burying the nun who killed herself. And then Father Burke explains that they had bells attached to the graves because sometimes people with the black, the bubonic plague would get buried alive and they'd ring the bell to let them know they're actually dead. It was like out of Monty Python and the Holy Grail where he's like, I'm not dead yet. Uh, <laughs> but they're like, he rings the bell and they tell you that they're actually alive and that's how they know to unbury them and you know bring them back up. I'm like, okay, that's kind of morbid, but whatever. But they explain that. And then literally five minutes later, Father Burke's falling into the thing, pulling on the bell to ring he's alive. Now, yeah. that to me is like, that's not that's not giving me an answer early on, and then I get the question later, and then it's like, oh, there's the solution. It's literally, You literally put that in there for the sole purpose of the scene where he gets trapped in the grave. You only put the bell yeah. there at the beginning and explained it, so five minutes later when he gets trapped in the grave... He can use it. That that's not Chekhov's gun. That is that is creating a problem that that's creating a solution for a problem that didn't really exist. Like that that bugged me so much because it. I mean, it happened right on top of the other. They did the funeral, and then five minutes later, he's in the grave yanking on the bell. <laughs> it's like if in Aliens, um, uh, uh, Ripley is in the is in the loader mech, and then she immediately fights the mother alien right there, and then the movie's yeah. over. Yeah, like, well, like, that that was anticlimactic. Okay. Yeah, like that doesn't like yeah exactly like it doesn't. Like, I don't let know. that pay off later. Let that like explain to me the bell thing, 
and then don't mysteriously put him in the grave 10 seconds later. <laughs> Wait till the end of the movie when she needs his help and she's trying to find him and he's like nowhere to be found. He's like screaming for her, and then he finds the string and rings the string and that's the way he gets out. And when she, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I look, everybody that wrote and directed this, they get, they're doing movies and I'm not. But I watch movies a lot. And I just went like, why, why do this? Oh, so many times in this, in this movie, I went, why? Well, this, this, the nun, the nun feels so much bigger than any of the other conjuring films. And what I mean by that is the, the imagery and the action and the sequences that play out in the nun. And we're basically talking really about two characters and then eventually a third when Frenchie shows up late, he, he's in the beginning and then he shows up again towards the end. So we're really talking about two main characters most of the movie, but everything that happens feels so grand, like it feels yeah. so big. Like it, it, it's it's like I'm trying to think of like a good example of it. It's like a, a great like it's like watching Night of the Living Dead, and then two seconds then the prequel is the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, where right. it's like way more advanced and like there's so much more going on because you or Zack Snyder's more. Army of the Dead, like the fucking, yeah. that fucking huge yeah, one like, he did for Netflix. Like one of the the appeal of the Conjuring universe, at least the films that I've seen, has been. <clears throat> The, the 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 scare and the fright of not knowing what's going on around you, but also the little moments, the little moments that kind of creep out and bite you. And then by the end, everything kind of explodes. It gets bigger. This film right on second one, they're smacking you in the face with big and it only continues to get bigger. Like I felt like at some moments I was watching a full blown science fiction movie because the sets were like grand and exploding and there's whirling and, and the lightning and like, it just felt so big. And I hope I'm explaining that properly, Patrick, like makes sense what I'm saying. It's, it felt so much bigger than any of the other conjuring films. And that just didn't make sense to me because the conjuring films all felt, you know, mostly contained inside a house dealing with a family dealing with a you know a, a one situation and then we're dealing with basically one demon and then again things kind of go ape shit towards the end of the movie and that's when all you know everything goes kind of haywire this movie's haywire from the second you walk in that monastery man things are going crazy mirrors are exploding there's giant snakes flying out of people that i mean it just felt so much bigger than anything i expected in this movie and i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing it's just it didn't fit with the other films in the conjuring unit, at least what I've seen. Well, it's sort of like um, pitch black, the movie pitch black with Vin Diesel, where he's trapped on a, you know, on a, him and a group of people are trapped against these night, these night bats. So when it's dark, the bats come for him. And then you, the sequel is the Chronicles of Riddick, which is a multi-planetary galaxy space opera. Like it's just, much much bigger much much more grand on its on on scale and mythology and all that stuff by the way i like both of those movies i actually don't have a problem with those movies i'm just saying like there's a massive jump between the types of movies we're talking about here here's the kicker damon how much of this movie actually really even talks about the nun it's just sort of the process like did you uh, and i and i'd never do this before this podcast tonight, I read like the synopsis for the whole movie because I still wasn't clear. And nowhere in that synopsis do we actually understand where Valak came from. And I don't remember now, forgive me, because I don't remember 
if I learned that in The Conjuring 2, like if they actually have I learned the actual origin of Valak in The Conjuring 2. But that's beside the point. My point is for the movie called The Nun, let's get into The Nun. Let's actually focus on her. It was sort of like it was almost like we were we were focusing on the barrier between our main characters and the nun, not the nun herself, not Valak. Like I never I still don't know where the nun came from. So I was just like, so what is this movie about exactly? Like, it's just about these people trying to keep the nun from coming. But the movie's called The Nun and we don't get to learn about the nun at all. Yeah, the only explanation we really get is this is the one scene with the now we figured out dead nun who's talking to Sister Irene and she talks about the history of this Romanian monastery when it was actually a castle being ruled by some right. crazy lord whenever it was, you know, years ago. He earlier, wanted to open he, the gates of hell. He was he was he was uh obsessed with dark arts of the occult and he wanted to open a gateway to hell and that's what he did. He opened a gateway to hell, but just as he was doing it the Christian soldiers showed up and they killed him and they stopped him and they used the blood of Jesus Christ to seal the gap to stop evil from coming in. And then when World War II happened, the bombs dropped and the seal was broken and the demon was unleashed again. Okay, I'm, I'm, that's all fine. I got. But Damon, that's still not about the nun. Yeah, that's telling you how how it started and how it's going. It doesn't tell you anything about where or why or who this nun is or who Valak is supposed to be. There's none of that mythology kind of you know thrown in there. Um, one again, going back to a film that we both complimented for the most part, a film we ended up enjoying that I'll be honest, I didn't think I would enjoy is The Pope's Exorcist. One thing I loved about that movie was when they introduced the mythology, and I don't want to give any spoilers in that movie. I don't want to ruin that movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, but the mythology they introduce in that film is a cool little twist, but they also explain why. They do. They explain why that mythology exists and why it's important, why this why this mythology matters. And why it plays back into the main storyline, which we both agreed was actually a pretty cool little brilliant twist of like how they were doing it, why they were doing it. It all made sense. This one never really does. And also, let me also let me also bring up this point as, as well with the story. So the blood of Jesus Christ, which apparently they've just got some Jesus juice hanging out, and they 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 seal up the the the, the gateway to hell. And they close this place down. They just need to keep an eye on it because now the gate's been open. But it's been closed, you know. The Jesus Jews took care of it. It got reopened. Okay, again, I, I understand like that. Okay, it's the gateway to hell. We're in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's the hell mouth, whatever. Okay, fine. All that's fine. But, <laughs> like, the concept of opening the gateway to hell and the Jesus Jews being used to close it, great. But as you said, and as I'm trying to get to here, why does Valak matter? What was Valak's purpose? And then once the gateway was opened again, so Valak escaped, right? She, so Valak the demon, I don't want to say it's he or she, Valak the demon, the, the entity, wanted to possess a nun so the demon could escape the monastery. But... I don't understand. Like, so, okay, they're saying that the, the demon spirit needs a body to inhabit to leave, right? Like, it, it can't leave Apparently, on its own. Apparently, yeah. And it, to, get okay. out of the, to get out of the abbey, it needs a body. The movie takes place in 1952. World War II is over in 1945, 1944, 1945. Mm -hmm. 
Seven years has passed. Was Valor just like out for a smoke and didn't decide to possess anybody in that seven years? Or were the nuns that were that were that were holding it at bay getting picked off for seven years? That's a lot of nuns, by the way. But seven years would, worth of nuns would, takes a lot of nuns. Would, why would Valak pick them off if the whole goal is to, to possess one to leave? Why you're asking me why, Damon? The answer is nobody knows why. Nobody knows why. They shouldn't have called this movie the nun. I could you could fix this movie without doing anything differently. You could call this movie the Abbey. It's the story of the Abbey. It's the story of what these people did to ward off evil, to keep evil at bay. But the nun, Valak, the the main villain of this movie, we we don't understand its motivations other than it just wants to get out. That's not enough. Especially when I got 20 different storylines of a bunch of different people and all the shit that they're going through. I like, why not just focus on the thing that we were, that's in the title? I don't, that's what I don't get. But you know what's weird, Damon? You know, for like, clearly you and I are frustrated with the storytelling in this movie. That's obvious. I'm going to say right here, I can compliment, compliment this movie on many levels. The production design, incredible. It's a really well executed movie. I mean, like, dare I say there's like no bad CG in it? If I can, is there, is there a bad CG there, that you can there, think of? There is bad CG. The snake that comes, the, the, oh, snake the snakes. That, yeah. The no, snakes you're right. That come the out snakes of Daniel were not good. The snake and the, the replay at the end, when you see Valak with the snake feeding into Frenchie, that part was, that bad. was, yes. that was the, but, but I agree. Otherwise, other than that, the actual other effects than that, were, I were mean, good. it's the production design is incredible. The set design is incredible. The camera work, the cinematography, the this the scares are like you know they're well crafted you know they didn't necessarily get me they like this a is little, a really well made movie what's that the, the scares felt a little more predictable only because of certain they camera were. work when they there's one bit of camera work i see and you're a filmmaker so you probably know what this is called i'm making it up as an amateur here when they get you when they do a close-up on a character in a horror film you know there's gonna be something behind them beside them around them it's a trick they use in horror films and it felt like they did that a little bit too much because i because some of the scares this movie were actually pretty solid like good jump scares but they overuse that technique where they just zoom right into the face. And as soon as they did that, you know, something's coming. You know what I mean? They did that yeah. technique a little bit too much. And I assume that's on either the cinematographer or Colin Hardy, the director. Now, to be fair, as you said, the scares are good. I actually, again, this is the one thing the conjuring and James Wan, these kind of films have is they're really effective at jump scares. And I, I like them very, very much. That was one that was one. My only one criticism is they did that a little bit too much because I actually thought they had some pretty good scares in this movie, but they used that one technique and maybe, you know, it, I don't know if it's called the close up technique or what it's called, but when they zoom right in on the actor, whoever it is, then, you know, something's coming to one side or the back uh, back behind them. Or when they zoom yeah, out I mean, again, I, something's going to be there. I wouldn't call it a technique, but it basically the idea is just obscuring any possible yeah. you know, perspective other than the face of the person. Like, they so you it. just get in so close that, you know, something's around them, but you can't see it. They did it a little bit too much in this movie, but again, that's a, otherwise, like I said, I agree. And I'm, I know I'm nitpicking here, but yeah, I agree. The scares were solid. And also I want to mention the acting. We're only getting a you know very small number of actors here, uh, along with Charlotte Hope and a couple other people who, who appear along with the main people being Taisa Farmiga and, uh, Damien Bashir and, uh, the guy who played Frenchie. Um, those are the main characters, of course, Bonnie Aarons. Um, but the acting was great. Uh, as you said, the set design was great. The production was great. Um, there's, it's I mean, one there's of the things. best looking movies I've seen in the Conjuring universe. Also, let me give one more credit. So we watched this last night 
And we always, whenever I watch movies like this, I like to turn out the lights because horror movies, some horror movies have a really bad tendency to underlight some scenes. So when it gets dark in a scene, you're like, it's like the final season of Game of Thrones in the uh, in the epic battle with the White Walkers when it's just so dark you can't see anything and you're like, what's going on here? Like, I can't see what's actually happening in this in this war scene. Um, I've gotten accustomed to some horror movies being so dark that I can't see anything. Whoever lit this film, I know that sounds like a weird compliment. I never struggled in this room for a dark monastery where they're basically on candlelight the entire time. There's no electricity. I, I was like, this is a very like carefully, meticulously lit film. And I never struggled to see things. And I know that sounds like a weird compliment, but it is something that bugs me in some films where I'm like, I can't, I have no idea what I'm looking at right now. You're not scaring me because I can't see what you're supposed to be scaring me with. <laughs> no, the, the cinematography is beautiful. Let me see if I can, I'm trying to pull up the name right now. The cinematographer is Maxime Alexandra. Uh, and let's see. Oh, he shot Shazam, Crawl, Crawl's uh, a great Anna, movie. Annabelle Creation. Crawl looks great. Uh, tons of stuff. He, a, very, a very, very um, uh, seasoned cinematographer who did a great job. Uh, this movie looks great, Damon. It really does. It is like well-crafted, well-made. But the storytelling, the storytelling yeah. is its great weakness. And that's frustrating because I was like, man, you kind of have everything you need here. You just, you just muddied it up with just, I don't get, like, I don't get what you were going for. I don't know what, like, and again, I, I think I, I have to say this a lot these days because it, I realize it more and more is that, you know, a production's best well-laid plans usually go to shit. That's just how making a movie goes uh many many great and very storied filmmakers ha will tell you every single movie it's a miracle it gets made because so many things go wrong in the process i don't know where it goes wrong in the process but like the what they edited together and finally put out to people like i can't imagine they were like wow this really makes a lot of sense i think people are really going to pick up on what we're putting down as opposed to just going oh that should scare a lot of people that'll do well by the way it did great I mean, the numbers don't lie. This movie is a success, but is it a success at storytelling? I don't think so. I think the bones are there for, I think that's what's frustrating about the nun is the totally. bones are there for a good movie, but the story, the storytelling falls apart and it falls short. Um, from what is in, in my opinion, should have been a fairly straightforward, simple kind of story, right? Like we're just trying to get the backstory so on simple. the nun itself on Valak and they, they jump around and spend way too much time on everything around the nun, and as you said, not actually telling us much of anything about Valak itself, just that it's the thing trying to escape. But we have no reason why. We don't know any backstory. You know, I mean, you could. there was a great moment where Father Burke is reading from a journal where he finds Valak, and we get a little bit of information, like it's a demon. But, like, it, that could have been the moment. Read the passages. Like, what's it after? What's its purpose? Um, you know, and, and why, like, why is this one there? And yeah, again, it, they, they, they danced around it too much. And I think that's, what's frustrating about the nun is that there are bones there for a good movie. They just didn't come together in the right way to actually make the body of a good film. Um, we should probably get to categories, Patrick, cause we do have a lot Let's of categories it. to get to in this movie. But before we do that, we do want to say thank you to the people who support us, Patrick. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much to MammothHeadwear.com. MammothHeadwear.com, the perfect place for your big head to get a big hat. A hat that actually looks good, actually fits right, and you can see I'm wearing mine right now. Oh, that's only two tabs showing, Damon. Any normal hat off the rack, <laughs> maybe if I'm lucky that there's one tab hanging on for dear life as my noggin attempts to break free from it like Valak from mm-hmm. the chains of its of its of the depths of the cistern of this abbey. Um, very much so. Mammoth headwear, well, they have the relic you need. They have the big ass hat for the big ass head. Get yours at mammothheadwear.com. Enter the code rewind at checkout for 10% off. Get yourself a hat that will fit your head. Trust me. One of these days, I'll wear one of my old snapback hats. You can see my hair. You can see my head holding on for dear life in my eyes. I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll see it pulls my eyes back like this. I'm sitting like this because my skin's pulled back from the yeah. from the from the hat. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, Patrick? Can't, Damn I can't it, your move Botox my, looks so I, good. I, I can't move my face right now because the skin's so tight for my hat. So yeah. <laughs> You want, but yeah, you, thank you, you Mammoth Headwear. Yeah, thank you for a hat that actually fits and doesn't cut off the circulation of my brain. Uh, let's get into let's get into categories for the non-patrick. Let's kick things off as we do each and every week here, and that is with best performance. As we said, this is a very small cast. We're really talking about you know four really main actors in this entire film, a couple other side parts here and there, but really talking about four main parts. So when it comes down to the nun, who was your strongest? Who was your best performance? Uh, my best performance goes to our main nun, Tysa Farmiga, who plays Sister Irene. Um, she just, I think she embodies the role of a very young, innocent, pure woman. Like, she comes across as very much somebody who's going to be a great nun for the rest. And a, like a nice nun, too. Not the kind of nuns you're scared about, but the kind of nuns that you actually think back about fondly. Um, so I, I liked what she did. I liked where she was with her character. And... Um, what can I say, Damon? The story was such a mess that it, I don't I don't know how to like expound on that any more than other than just she was good. She wasn't bad. No, she was good. She's a girl. I, I really like her as an actor. She was in a lot of the good seasons of American Horror Story back when that show was still watchable. Right. Um, it's not anymore, but it once was. And that's when Tysa Farmiga got out while the getting was good. Um, she's great. She is really strong in this movie and I am a fan of hers in general. And so, yeah, she was great. Um, you know, I could easily just say her because she was probably the strongest part of the movie, but I will give credit where credit's due. Even here, I'm, I'm going to compliment him, but I'm also going to insult the part here is I'm going to say best performance is Damien Bashir because I think Damien Bashir is an incredible actor and he does a great job. Here's my, so you know, that old theory that people bring up that people brought up years ago, a few years ago that, Indiana, like when you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie, mm-hmm. if Indiana Jones was not in that movie, the results would still be the same. Like what actually happens at the start to the end, he has no real impact in the movie. And it drives people crazy because when you think about that movie, I watched it and I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. Like nothing really changed based on his own actions. Like it's not like he impacted, you know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, damn, that's true. That's kind of true. And so there's like, it's a big on, you can probably see it, on, see it on Reddit. I think they actually did an episode of the Big Bang Theory about it where like they told it to one of the characters and he was like growing utterly frustrated because they were right because where it starts <laughs> and where it finishes, Indiana Jones plays no real factor. And it was like, oh God, that's kind of crazy. Father Burke serves no purpose in this movie. Like he doesn't do anything really. Like he finds the book and and discovers the demon's name Valak, which by the way, another little plot hole that they leave here is that and this go when the the Warrens 
discover the demon in Conjuring 2, there's a pivotal moment, if I remember correctly, and I've only seen the movie once and I enjoyed it, where they figure out the demon's name and they say it and it affects the demon. That's pretty much a universal thing with demons. You, they don't want you to know their name. When you say their name out loud, it weakens them, right? Right. In this movie, he does it. He says that he says Valak, and I don't think we ever see that it actually like affected Valak. Like they never like it wasn't like attacking and then like it went away. It just like they said it, and I was like, isn't that supposed to be like a weapon to use against? And he the knew demon? that name for a long time in the movie. Yeah, and so I didn't. Maybe am I missing it? Did did like did <laughs> did Father Burke play an all like because when the demon nun attacks Sister Irene and dunks her under the water and she's drowning her. And they pull it like Frenchie's there to help her. Frenchie's the one who gives her mouth to mouth and and resuscitates her. He's the one who comes in with the the gun and kills the one weird ghost nun. I think is what we're ghost zombie, whatever the hell Uh, it is. The ice nun is what I like to call it. Yeah, the nun, whatever. So like he plays a part, but like seriously, like I'm not. I'm this is none of this is Damien Bashir's fault. He's a great actor. Did he really serve a purpose? Because I was he trying did. to think about it. He did. Okay. He, he did. He did. He did. So there's two things. One is he actually, um, uh, I, I don't remember the, the the actual saying. There's a specific saying, but he makes uh, he makes Irene a nun officially, which is important because she has to be a nun to get it. That's one thing. That's a little thing. Mm. But here's the second thing. And this, this thing actually bugs me, but he in, indeed did it. When they're down there looking for the blood of Christ, which by the way, another thing that fucking bugs me about this movie, if these nuns knew that this incredible relic, the blood of Christ was in this ancient, I mean, dark, a dark ages old Abbey. None of the nuns found the blood of Christ. Like these people who've been there for one day found it. Okay. I rest my case on that. But anyway, they're trying to look for that place. It's the Indiana Jones kind of moment where they're trying to find the vault where the blood of Christ is. So they can actually use that relic against Valak. Well, she doesn't see that the Virgin Mary points the way he sees it. And then he tells her, which is weird because her her whole purpose of being there is that she had this vision that Mary would point the way. And she's standing in front of a statue of Mary with light on the finger as the as light shoots out and points the way. But she can't see anything. He can. Fucking weird. But that's him helping. That that was the moment that turned things. But really, it was her because she knew that Mary points away. So even that, like she she didn't see. Like it. he remembered it. But like it was <laughs> her weird. vision. So really, he didn't play a part. I'm just saying, like he really didn't serve a purpose because he didn't really. I guess do she had just it. decided to forget that that part, and he reminds her. Whatever. It's Anyways, still a thing. He yeah. still played a part. Is my point. I guess I I discount your idea that he played a part because I really don't think he did. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Father Burke, yeah, whatever. But Damian Bashir is good. Um, he's a really good actor. I think he's a great actor. He does a great job. And I don't know. Maybe I'm sure he's done other horror stuff. Uh, I think he did. Probably. He did that. Uh, he did that. Um, um, the uh, the TV show that only lasted for one season for uh, the uh, Let the Right One In. He did that oh, show. He, oh, sometime. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, only last of the season happened to get caught up in the whole COVID and the strike thing, I think where it just kind of like sure. came and went pretty quick. Uh, but he was in that. I think he's done other horror stuff before, but he's a really strong actor. And again, even though ultimately father Burke really plays no role, uh, he was good in the role he had. Yeah, he was good. I mean, it's just, we're just so like bogged down and baffled by the fucking convolution of the story. Yeah. So let's talk about best line. Uh, 
This was a one line because your line was also mine. I'll be honest, when I was taking notes during the movie, I was actually saying to myself, like, I don't really know if there is a best line. And then you happen to pull the one that kind of got a chuckle out of me. So this ends up being our best line. So set up this best line, which is shared for both of us. Well, it's interesting. We were just talking about them searching for this relic. They need to find the blood of Christ to actually expel the demon, or do they? I don't know. Like, it doesn't necessarily work, but I, I digress. They finally find the blood of Christ, and Frenchie, uh, he has something to say, and, and the father, Burke, has something to say back. The blood of Christ. Holy shit. That works. The holiest. Holy shit. <laughs> it's the like, holiest. I, 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 do they know how funny they were being there? It's hard to tell in this movie. I think they, they did. I think, that was like, I think that was like the one line where they really did on purpose. Because when he says holy shit, and the priest goes, the holiest. I, I think they knew what they were doing there. It had to be, right? But it's yeah. weird. It doesn't play like that in there. But I don't know. It's funny. Yeah, that's, we, that's what I got. Yeah. We, 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 yeah, there's, there's a lot here. Also... No, I'm going to save this one. I'm going to save one other. I have one other rant to go on. I'm going to save it for another category later. I, I think it fits okay. in the category later. Let's let's hope so. Uh, let's talk about Best Scare, because this is ultimately a horror movie. And again, I know we've been talking a lot about our issues with the story, which are multitude. Uh, but I do, again, I think this is an effectively scary movie. My girlfriend, who likes the Conjuring movies very much, she liked it. Like, when we got done, I was like, eh, it wasn't bad, but I had issues with the story. She's like, I liked it. And I'm like, okay, well, again, I like watching movies with my girlfriend because she's not like a horror fanatic. She likes horror films, but she's not like a horror fanatic. And I kind of judge things for her because we are so desensitized that we are also, we're, this is our job to be a little bit more critical. That's what we do a freaking review podcast for. Um, but I like when she's like, I, I really liked it. It's like, cool. It gives me a different perspective. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I get, I get muddied sometimes in my own perspective, my own uh, opinions. I like hearing the opinions of others and she really liked it. But um, it was a scary movie, effectively scary movie. And I said, there were a lot of jump scares, even though a few of them I saw coming because the camera work still, it, that's one thing. All these, all the James Wan universe films have in common are jump scares. They do them really well. So what was your favorite scare in the nun? Well, my favorite scare, I don't know if it was necessarily a scare. I mean, it's supposed to be a scare. It's definitely set to be a scare, but it's when Valak actually, uh, uh, manifests itself in front of Sister Irene and she has to get the fuck out of there. It's kind of, that's the thing about this movie is like the idea of the nun is so cool and the, and, and the teasing of the nun is so cool. And when Valak is finally in front of you, the world starts to like literally shift. Like they, they use like a, you know, the, the camera's probably on like a Libra head or something. It's a, it's a, a gyro that can rotate the camera at 360. But the, 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 the earth seems to shift and rotate around the, the sister. And it was just so dramatic and kind of like, all right, here we fucking go. The nun's here. And boy, when she shows up, it's fucked. Like yeah. it just, the world looks like it's fucking going upside down. Like it, it was more to me like cool, but in that moment, it's supposed to be like, you are fucked. Like the nun is here and you are completely screwed. She can bend space and time right in front of you. Yeah, that was a good one. And mine is kind of similar in a way uh, for my favorite scare. And that's earlier in the movie when sister Irene is kind of wandering around the chapel, wandering around the monastery and things for the first night, because ultimately correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, this whole movie takes place over two days, right? Like 
Very it's, short it's time, like, yeah. Because they show up, they have the first night, the second day, and then the second night's when everything kind of goes completely apeshit, right? Like, I'm, I got that right. Yeah. That's um, it. Feels right. The, the first night when Irene gets drawn out of bed and she's like walking, wandering around, uh, and Valak shows up in the mirror and like grabs her and breaks the mirror, and that's where we see Valak kind of manifest itself in front of Sister Irene in that moment. It kind of grabs her and you know kind of scares her in that moment, and it's a very freaky moment with the mirror breaking. I thought that was a really effective jump scare. Um, I won't necessarily say I jumped out of my seat, but it definitely got me a good jolt. Like I was like, oh shit! Like it was a good, it was a good moment, and I like again. That's what I like. That's one thing I will give credit for the conjuring movies is they do have that one common thread in all these films is they're really strong with jump scares. Um, that might be just be James Wan's specialty, I guess. I don't know, but whatever it is, they do have that common thread between them and they do that a lot in this movie and they work pretty well. Like they, the jump scares, the, the, the moment when Sister Irene's in the basement and she's walking, they got the close up when they pan out, you see the weird nun behind her, there's a lot of those like that that work really well, but the one in the mirror was really cool. And the nun, when Valak first manifests itself uh, in front of Sister Irene and breaks out of the mirror, that was a pretty good jump scare. And I really enjoyed that one. That was early in the film, and I really enjoyed that one. There's plenty of little moments where I'm just like, oh, that's good. Like, I, like nothing, you know, you and I are highly desensitized. We talk about that all the time. But it, uh, I was, I still had to give them credit for like how they construct their scares. So everything was done correctly. But just that fucking story, man. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, well, also, to, also to throw it out there, I, I know the original screenplay for this film was written and then it got rewritten and there was like a third or fourth draft by the time it got to Gary Doberman, who also worked on It Chapter 2 and he's worked on other stuff as well. Um, I think this was like the third or fourth person to work on this. So it, it sounds like maybe it was also like a like a scripting problem. Like it was just too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing where it got written by one person and rewritten by another person and rewritten by another person. And by the time it got to production, it came became a, maybe a little bit of a mess. Maybe. I don't know. It, that's kind of what it felt like. That's why sometimes like uh, one reason like I love – I've said this many times in the show and it's not horror. My favorite director is Quentin Tarantino. One of the reasons I love, one of the reasons I adore Tarantino is his writing and his dialogue. Now I know it drives some people crazy. You included Patrick. I know that, but one of the reasons why I love Tarantino so much is because it's a singular vision. It's his vision. Like he makes the movies he wants. Now you may not agree. You may not like the movies he makes. That's fine, but it's his vision. You know, it's his vision. And he also has enough power much like a Martin Scorsese or certain other directors, where when the studio comes in, they're not going to mess with him. They're not going to come in and say, Quentin, we know how to make your movie better than you know yeah. how to make it. Quentin says, fuck off. I'm making my movie. It's going to be three hours long, and you know we're going to have plenty of feet and all kinds of other stuff in this movie. You're not <laughs> going to fuck with it. There are certain people who have that power, but when you're dealing with this, this is a big, this is New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers. I guarantee you... Gary Doberman and whoever else was writing the script were getting notes from the studio. What about this? Can't we see the nun here? What about more than none? What about this? What about that? They go through 20 revisions of the script. Now, I'm not saying revisions are bad. I mean, revisions of a script are a good thing. That's what happens. But sometimes I feel like that interference can play a part in what takes what could be potentially a good movie and turns it into a bit of a, mud, a muddied movie. Because there's just too many cooks in the kitchen saying, what about this? What about this? What if we did that? And then by the time you get to shooting, they're just like, we're just going to throw it all in there and fucking shoot it. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like happened here. So I'm not I'm not excusing the storytelling issues we have. I'm saying I think that may have been at least at least some small part of the problem. Well, Warner Brothers knew that they had a serious franchise on their hands and they knew 
They they just knew they crunched the numbers or whatever it is called the the movie business for a reason. They crunched the numbers and they knew that if they did a spin off of the nun, that it was going to do big numbers, and it did. They were sure of it. So you had a lot of studio pressure on this because they were like, we this is this is a big breakout franchise. Meanwhile, here we are talking about it all these years later because a sequel's coming out, which is probably also going to do big. Yeah. Like they 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 have a horror icon on their hands. The nun is a horror icon. People want to see the nun. So you do get you probably are going to get a ton of studio interference in something like that because it's a prized inter, uh, uh, intellectual property. They certainly want it to do well. Sometimes that actually backfires because they over engineer it. It happens all the time in superhero movies. They do it all the time in big genre movies, big action movies. They over engineer it because it's a it's a big money maker. So they think they need to keep tweaking it and tweaking it. And what they really need to do is what you're talking about is hire a visionary director who goes, let me just get it. Let me get it through this one through line. Let me get it through this one idea and push this out there and people will be into it. That doesn't always work out, but it usually works out better than what you have in this instance. Yeah, I just saw an interview uh, today with David Ayer, who is uh, sitting down with John Bernthal, who's one of my favorite actors. And he was like, what's the, you know, what's the, your hardest or worst story about Hollywood? And he was talking about his experience doing Suicide Squad. And mm-hmm. I know he's talked about this ad nauseum and his Suicide Squad movie was bad. It was not good, Patrick. It was not a good movie. But he talked about, like, he had this idea for, like, a very dark, you know, very dark kind of, you know, ominous kind of movie. Yeah. And he, and basically said in the interview is that, you know, he was making his movie the way he wanted, but then... Warner Brothers didn't do test audiences for Batman versus Superman. They just put it out. Yeah. And one of the biggest criticisms of Batman versus Superman was how dour it was. Like how just de- like emo Superman and depressing Superman. And like, it was just, it was angry a very, ass Batman. So it was mad. just a very dark, like just a negative feeling movie. Like you did not leave that movie feeling good. Like there, and, and su- it's Superman. Like, Superman's not supposed to be like necessarily down in the dumps depresso. Like that's not, that's not (laughs) Superman. And they made him like very, very, like it was a very dark movie in that way. And people walked out not enjoying it. Like that was, I mean, I have a multitude of issues with Batman versus Superman, but that was one of the biggest issues. And so after that kind of tanked and people were complaining about it, they came in and said, Oh no, no, we got to inject a lot of humor in this yeah. movie. So you need to rewrite this. You need to change this. You need to put this in there. And it totally changed his movie. And he said that was the worst experience of my life because of that, because I had a very specific idea I wanted once Batman versus Superman came out and it tanked and people hated it. They came back to me and said, Oh no, we got to change this movie. It's got to be funny. It's got to be really funny and yeah. light and totally change the tone of his movie. That's again, I don't know if that's what happened, but it that's what it kind of feels like to me. For the record, Batman vs Superman didn't tank. I know that 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 word is used often. It's actually a financial success. Uh, but that, I digress. But it, the, but everything you're saying is true. Critically, it, uh, so, it did not. It did uh, not. Critically, <laughs> critically, it didn't do well. But it didn't uh, financially. It actually it did incredibly well. Just because it didn't make a billion dollars, people think it's a failure, and it wasn't. It was a financial success. But I digress. What happens is very much that is a studio comes in and goes change it, do this, do that, do this. For all we know, this was a movie about the nun. And by the time it was done, it was not a nun movie anymore. Yeah. It just wasn't like it just, like I said, we should have called it the Abbey because it's about the Abbey for some reason. There's three movies going on. There's Father Burke's movie, which is a totally different movie because it's a movie about him and a boy <laughs> that, that, that died during an exorcism. There's Sister Irene's movie, 
And then there's the movie of the, the nuns in that convent, in that abbey. There's like three movies going on. It's yeah. super weird. And then, by the way, there should be a fourth movie in there that's never in there, which is the movie about Valak, which we <laughs> never get. The title of the movie is The Nun, and we never really get to her until the very dramatic ending, which is, again, big and interesting and exciting, but still had its own problems. We'll, we'll yeah. probably get to that pretty soon. Yeah. Well, let's talk real quick about best gore, uh, because there is some gore in this movie. Uh, so, Patrick, uh, I'm just going to spoil it right here. We have the best. We have the same best gore. I was going to pick something else. But I'm actually going to talk about that a little later, so I don't want to mm-hmm. I don't want to use that for this. But the gore you picked is it really was great, and so let's talk yeah. about best gore. Oh man, what what I mean, fantastic imagery! This is not, by the way, it's not the goriest movie around. There's some gore in it, and you know, spread throughout. But it's it's not a, it's no terrifier too, um, which few things are. But after the cold open, we see you know the nun jumps out the window and, and hangs, and then. Early in the morning, uh, horny Frenchie comes rolling by to, to make his deliveries, and he sees the nun hanging there. And um, my best score is her her face is chewed away by the crows. The crows have kind of it's cool imagery. I mean, it just looks awesome. And the, and seeing her face torn away and her teeth are kind of chattering in the in the in the morning dew and all that stuff. It was pretty fucking cool kind of decaying and there's blood all over the ground like she's been there for a little while like it wasn't like this she's been hanging there for like a day or two like she's been there for a little while and decayed and and bloody and the picked apart skin from the crows eating at her was pretty nasty and pretty cool it was a really honestly that might have been my favorite moment of the film because it was just so jarring like because these films are not like the conjuring films are not known for being gory like they're haunted house they're at the core of them all they're haunted house movies kind of or possession movies typically with those you don't get a ton of gore uh and this one actually went there with that scene i was like damn that was a really really cool effect and that was a creepy ass visual effect with the nun hanging there and all picked apart by the crows well well done there yeah, no, it's it's super cool imagery. Actually, that nun gets a lot of play in this movie. I call her the ice nun because after that point, she spends most of her time in the uh, in the ice room uh, and she just all her little moments in that ice room are pretty fucking good. You mean the White Walker? Because she comes back to life like three times <laughs> in this movie, much like a White she, Walker. She, she, in Game she gives of us some White Walker action. I wouldn't mad at that either. They should have set her on fire. They should have watched Game of Thrones. It would have saved themselves some time. Gosh, that's all you need. Just a little yeah. bit of fire set her on fire maybe they watched that episode but they had they watched it during the day with the lights on they couldn't see how to they couldn't see anything yeah they're like oh shit we don't know how to do this (laughs) i Uh, love that episode of game of thrones by the way i fucking everybody complains that it was too dark i watched it on my laptop in a hotel room the night it came out and it looked fantastic i fucking love that episode the darkest or the longest night i fucking love that episode I don't mind. I'm not going to go. I don't want to get into it. I, I don't. <laughs> I think I don't, that episode's rad. I don't mind the episode. I mind the storytelling in that episode. That drives yeah. me. That We could do never, podcasts on pretty much everything. Yeah, we could do. We could. I mean, I have two Game of Thrones tattoos, Patrick. On my, on my left leg is the House Stark symbol, and the right leg is House Targaryen. I am a massive Game of Thrones fan, books and show. Um, nice. That final season did not do it for me. Uh, but that's again not a, get, not getting off done. No one get off time. <laughs> hey, um, why not? Tonight we're doing any topic but the nun, so we might as yeah, well talk <laughs> much much like the movie. It was much like the, the movie. Nun. We're not talking about it. Uh, yeah. Remember that part in the nun where the Targaryens came and they were fucking <laughs> flying dragons around? It was pretty rad. Yeah, it was pretty cool when the dragon came in and burned up the nun. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh let's talk this is a good category patrick and this is like i always like to let you intro these categories because it is funny so 
what is this next category we're going to talk about tonight? Damon, it's, you know, I, I, I was trying to give this movie as best a fair shake as I could in terms of story. So the story was frustrating me to no end to the point that I was like screaming at the TV. I really got pissed. And so at one point, this something happened in the movie where I was because I had constantly in my notes, I would have these little notes with like three or four question marks. Like, why is this happening? Why? This does not make sense. So I came up with a category called worst logic. And my worst logic was, okay. finally, we get to the done, Damon. Finally, we get it. And you know what? It's kind of working, man. It's fucking crazy. There's like a big water scene and there's shit's falling down and the nun can real fuck shit up. So like, hell yeah, we finally got to it. It's paying off finally. And uh, and for a moment, she even possesses sister Irene. And I was like, oh, okay, it's fucking going off. And then somehow Frenchie gets a little bit of the blood of Christ. I don't even know how he got it. And he spreads it on Irene's face. And so the nun has to jump back out. Okay, gotcha. Got it, got it. So why on earth did the, in the next scene, the nun decide to try and kill Sister Irene? Because all she needed to do was jump into Sister Irene's body. And fuck, I mean, like, I get it. Okay, the blood of Christ. Yes, okay. I understand that part. I understand why she jumped out. But then why kill the vessel? She could just she could just wipe the blood away. She could wash. She could dunk her in the water. Like there, there's really an easy way out of here. Why kill the vessel that will walk you out of the place? Yeah, you need you. The whole point of the movie, and the whole point of the nun was the nun wants to escape the abbey, but they need a person. They need a body to inhabit. Which we learn at the when we finally learned that there's all the nuns were dead and that was the last nun that was alive, the one who jumped out the window and killed herself. She killed herself to protect the from anyone else being possessed by the the demon to escape. Yeah, the demon that, that's that was what I was going back earlier when I was talking about. There used to be like thirty nuns in this place, and the Valak just killed them all. Well, if you just want to get out, if that's the whole purpose of the nun to get out, why are you killing these people? Like. I don't understand. Stop killing whole, your vessels. If the whole point is you getting out, possess one, peace out, then start killing people. Like, kill everyone at that point. Have a good old time. But if your point is to escape this abbey, you need to escape this monastery, why are you killing all the people that can get you out? She did, just, Valak is the worst demon ever because it's it's getting in the in the way of its own thing. Okay, so let me talk about worst logic here. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about what really uh, it bothered me, but also it's just like you're really you're really really making me suspend disbelief by watching this. So we get the the thread in here that G, they have a vial of Jesus Christ's blood, mm-hmm. God's blood. That's God's blood. Jesus is Big God. The blood. holy the holy Trinity. They are one part of the same. That's what the holy Trinity is. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are all God. Jesus is God, okay? This is God's blood. Jesus is blood. That should be like the ultimate weapon against Satan, much less demons, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Jesus juice went down into the crack, sealed it up, stopped the demons from coming up from hell. Well, yeah, okay, we get that. Sure. That's Okay, I understand that. They find the blood. They're going to. Okay. So the whole idea is they could the, the whole, the whole thing we're dealing with here is that the nuns in this Abbey couldn't find the blood. They needed sister Irene with the visions. Mary points the way to find the secret compartment 
where the 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 knights from 500 years ago, whatever it was, hid the blood in there. She finds it. She has it. Okay, cool. Father Bert gives it to her. and says it has to be with a holy nun or whatever, and you have the power. Okay, power of Christ compels you. So this is Jesus's blood. Now, first part, Frenchie takes it and wipes it on her face to get Valak out of Sister Irene. Now, if this is Jesus's blood, shouldn't that immediately, like, full-on, like, vampire this chick, like, vampire the demon, like a wooden yeah. stake? It's Jesus's blood. Should have killed Valak right there. Right there. Just vaporized. Okay. That's it. We're physically putting <sighs> Jesus's blood on Valak. Okay, but then okay, so that does, so technically you're putting it on the body, the vessel. Okay, cool. I, okay, we're gonna we're, sure. We're, I'm with sure. you. So then, she the Valak attacks Sister Irene again, killing the vessel that she needs to get out. Okay, but we also find out she does infect Frenchie, which apparently she can jump bodies. Okay, we find that out later. Okay, she dunks Sister Irene in the in the thing underwater, and I'm saying to myself. She is 100% going to pop out of the water and spit the blood of Christ into Valak's face, which is exactly what happens. Now, here's where I talk about the logic. Two things. One, I understand um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Mm -hmm. But that scene is literally moment by moment exactly what happens in Tales from the Crypt Demon Nights. Have you seen Tales from the Crypt yeah. Demon Knights? Yeah. Jada Pinkett's character has a cross full of Jesus's blood that the 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 character shows up with originally and they used to seal the house from all the demons. The demon played by Billy Zane kills everyone and it's just down to Jada Pinkett versus Billy Zane. And he's kicking the shit out of her and whatever. And so Man, I love the first, 90s. Billy so Zane at, versus Jada at Pinkett. At first, she covers herself in Jesus's blood, which is a pretty cool trick, right? Pretty cool effect. You can't touch her. But then he puts her underwater to wash her off. He washes off the blood of Jesus so he can touch her against the demon. What happens? She comes out of the water. She spits the blood of Jesus in Billy Zane's face, and he's eviscerated. Now, as I said, since imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But that is so specific that you you just copied word for word exactly the end of Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight and put it in another demon movie where she spits the blood of Jesus. Okay, once again, I'm just going to say, okay, it's a, it, let's just say it's an homage to... Or just an insane coincidence. To what I believe is a better movie because I really enjoy Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. <laughs> okay, she spits the blood of Jesus into Valak's face. Patrick, can you explain to me how in the holy fuck does the demon survive that and still infect Frenchie, who ends up being the vessel that she escapes in? This is Jesus's blood. It is the it is the ultimate way. It's not. It's more than a stake to the heart. It's more than holy water. It's it's Jesus. Like. If you're going to use that as a prop device, which I didn't like to begin with, I didn't like that they used that as like the secret weapon. To, it Also, sealing up the Abbey, that's also right from Tales of the Crypt Demon Knight because they used <laughs> Jesus' blood there. But again, okay. That is the alt. It is Jesus. You're telling me that this is the blood of Christ. This is not like a, a, you know, a, a blessed blood. This is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That gets spit into Valak's face, which is a cool effect, by the way, when she melts away like the Wicked Witch of the West. That's cool. But it doesn't kill her or kill it. It survived. The Jesus blood can seal the hole to hell, but it can't <laughs> kill the demon? It somehow survives? That's insane logic. <laughs> it's just that it's almost as if all that Catholic relic stuff is nonsense. <laughs> like I guess that's what we're saying. I guess what we're saying is either that wasn't the blood of Jesus, but some very hot sauce that <laughs> managed to burn Valak, but not burn Sister Irene or her mouth. <laughs> and it's zero. It's it is not actually effective on the demon. It can seal the gate of hell and not affect the demon at all. What kind of logic is that? <laughs> like, like, just don't do these things. Like, I don't. I don't Oh, I'm going to rest my mouth on his mic because I'm out, Damon. I'm out. I'm out of I just, ideas. I just, like, again, if you're going to use the whole Jesus blood thing, that's fine. You want to use that to seal the, the hole up? That's fine. You want to use it to kill the demon? That's fine. But don't use it in a cool effect where you spit it back in her face, you straight up Jada Pinkett Smith it, and then the, the demon still survives. Still like, survives. That should be it. That nun should be peace out done. Now, if you want to say there's another demon that comes out, great. You want to say the other demons escaped the whole yeah, thing, fine. fine. But that demon in particular, you spit the blood. It, now it's twice. The blood on the face is one that made her escape, you know, leave the body. Now you're literally spitting the blood of Jesus into the face of the demon, and the demon somehow makes it. That should be it. Right. Game over. It should be full on Bill, Bill, Bill Paxton. Game over, man. Game, Game over. over. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she still manages to jump from there. It's not a full destruction. It should be. It should. Be. That's the whole point of the whole movie. They say that. They yeah. say that in the movie that the whole, the only way to destroy her is with the blood of Christ. They touch her with the blood of Christ, and she still manages to jump into Frenchie. I, I don't and, know. And I liked. I know, so David. one thing. One thing I liked about this movie that was cool because I again I've only seen The Conjuring like one and a half times. And I've seen The Conjuring 2 one time. And I, I said on the show, I like The Conjuring 2 better than the original Conjuring. Not that The Conjuring's bad. I just, I think The Conjuring 2 is actually sure. a really, it's a really, really good film. I really enjoy The Conjuring 2. Um, so the end of the movie, you find out Frenchie, they, they you know, when they're they're meeting and, and uh, he uses CPR to bring her back. He says, it's the kiss of life. It's not, I wasn't trying to make out with a nun. And she's like, oh, yes, no, thank you. Thank you for saving my life. What is your real name? And he says, Maurice. Okay, cool. They, and then you, they leave the Abbey. You see the backwards cross on his neck, and you realize he's been possessed by you. Valak. We see the replay where he's being held in the air by her, which, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, another logic thing here. When Valak grabs him by the neck, doesn't it sound like she snaps his neck and then drops him? Because I thought he died. I thought so. Yeah. And then he just pops back up again. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I thought he was dead. But again, that's a mind. That's a mind. That was more of like a, I thought he was dead kind of thing. They never confirmed he was dead. So whatever. But then we realized that he's possessed. And then they flash forward 30 years or whatever it is to the, to the, the original Conjuring movie when we meet the Warrens. And they're in giving that speech, which is like 25 minutes into the Conjuring movie. When the family, the parent family, the the wife comes to see them to seek out their help, and they're giving the speech about one of their possessions about a guy named Maurice, and that's the tie-in to the original Conjuring was this thing, and that's where we see in the Conjuring two, that's where Maurice had grabbed Lorraine and she saw the vision of Ed dying, 
and she locks herself in a room for eight days and that ties into Valak's reappearance in the conjuring too it's all connected okay that's i was actually that's really cool i was like damn like that actually that ending when we realized that frenchy is the maurice we saw in the conjuring i was like damn all right like you just kind of you 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 missed a lot of the plot in this movie but that kind of saved me like that was kind of cool so today i went out and i watched the conjuring i was like man they really tied that together cool that was a cool way to tie it together i want to see this scene in the conjuring again because i kind of remembered the scene but i kind of forgot about it i watched it today the context is kind of the same it's a maurice guy and they say he was just a lowly french canadian farmer and he spoke Latin better than anyone they'd ever spoken to before. And he basically went mad and he had a the inverted cross pop out of us. So all those things are the same. What bugged me, I know this is a minor detail and I know I'm nitpicking here, Patrick. What bugged me is they reshot the scene with the actor who played Frenchie looking older. And the one from the original Conjuring was a completely different actor who looked nothing like Frenchie whatsoever. His name just happened to be Maurice. Now, that to me is... You use that scene to tie back into the nun to see how it all connected. And I get that. And I was like, again, I was like, that's really cool. But when I rewatched the scene for the conjuring, totally different actor, didn't look anything like Frenchie. They didn't mention him being like, they said it was French Canadian, but like that was, again, that's like the creating a problem for a solution. Like, like how can we tie this into the original conjuring? Ooh, sure. Frenchie is Maurice. And we're going to reshoot this scene to where now it's Maurice in the scene and it's Frenchie in the scene. It was just a, it was a, cause if they had used the same actor somehow or, or, you know, um, or the, the, like, it's almost like the, um, uh, Star Wars thing where, you know, George Lucas just keeps changing things in the old movies. Yeah, that's what they should have done. Yeah, like they should have just redone the conjuring scene and put that scene in the conjuring and then I would have never known. But when I rewatched it, I was like, that's not Frenchie. That's not Maurice. And I, again, it's a minor thing, but it was almost like, okay, you just, you switched there. Cause like when it happened in the film, when the nun ended, I was like, damn, that was yeah, cool. Was I remember nice that. That was a nice little, nice little tie in. And then when I went back and rewatched the conjuring, I was like, this isn't the same dude. Like this is a, <laughs> I know, I know people are like, dude, that's a really stupid complaint to make. But I was like, I was super impressed by that twist. Cause I just didn't remember that from the conjuring. And I guess that's probably why they did it because like hardcore conjuring fans would have recognized right away if it was the same actor and said, Hey, isn't that the Maurice guy from the original conjuring? But me sure. personally, I was like, hold on now. This doesn't seem right. And I don't know. It was just, I don't know. It was almost like we got to find a way to thread these two movies together. And so we're going to do the whole sure. Maurice thing uh, again. It was a I minor mean, thing. I Horror films have done that for a long time. I yeah. mean, you know, you and I, you and I watch a lot of franchise movies and they do that. They fuck around with this one and that one not being exactly the same character they were. So I'll give them a pass on that. But what the thing that really bugged me is in that same moment, they do put back to back. They put they 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 they. um Oh my God. Why can't I think of words, Damon? It's driving me insane. (laughs) (laughs) It really, okay. There's a juxtaposition of shots. They show, um, uh, 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 Lorraine Warren interacting with Frenchie in that scene that you're talking about. And then they cut to sister Irene and then it's over or something like it's either that or in reverse. One of the two. It's either either they show Sister Irene first or they show Lorraine first. I don't remember. But they juxtaposition those two scenes together to sort of imply that it could be the same person. But they never confirm it. And I looked it up. There's no confirmation, but there's no denial either. 
And I'm like, why did they do that? Because we do know that in real life, it's two, they are the Formiga sisters. But it seemed like they were trying to imply that maybe Sister Irene turned into Lorraine Warren at some point in her life. But that would that would make so much no sense because she was a priest in the 50s, you know, and she's like in her 20s. And I don't know. Yeah, that would by the time the movies take place in the 70s or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I guess I guess maybe that's I it. I, I, don't I don't even know that they necessarily did it. But the what but the way they constructed it confused me. Well, to that point, let's get to our next category, because part of the reason we're reviewing The Nun tonight is because we are soon going to be reviewing The Nun 2, which is coming out. So normally we do a category remake, sequel, or leave it alone, where we talk about will we remake the film, will we give it a sequel, or we just leave it alone. We already know there's going to be a sequel. So our question, our category here, Patrick, is what do we need from The Nun 2? And to that point, I'm going to kick things off and say that if you're trying to intimate that Sister Irene is somehow related or I don't think she becomes Lorraine Warren because that would just be a little bit too much. Like her name is if if they come in this movie and they say her name is Irene Lorraine, I'm like, all right, you're going you're stretching really bad here. But if they're related somehow, like they're somehow connected that way. And maybe that's again, there are sisters in real life and maybe they are that's her sister in, in real life or, you know, she had a, a nun, a sister who became a nun or whatever that that's fine. They can, but if they, if they try to pull the twist that this sister Irene becomes Lorraine, <sighs> I might just have to walk out of there, Patrick, cause that's just a bridge too far, but they got it. They, they tied it together with the first movie. And let's be honest, Patrick, we're getting the nun two because the nun one made 300 and some odd million dollars in the movie. I don't think they tied it together for the first conjuring movie for that reason. The nun leads into the conjuring one with the possession with Maurice. They don't need a sequel. We're getting a sequel that's set. I think they said four years later in a different convent and sister Irene battles with Valak again. Yeah. That's the plot. Damon, I bet you could finish my sentence for me. Let's try this. What we need from the sequel is for the sequel to be about the nun. The nun. <laughs> it's the nun too. <laughs> Let's start making this movie about the nun, please. About Valak. Like it's a gold mine of mythology. Don't waste our time with another weird thing. Let's get to the nitty gritty and really make this movie all about the nun. That's what I want to see from the nun too. full stop. Like let's stop playing around here because you had a gr- the great, great bones of a movie in the nun and you wasted a lot of time making a lot of different convoluted stories, try to collide and they don't really fit together very well. So please just make the nun too about the damn nun already. Valak is a cool, horror icon let's get into it this time let's 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 do it this time let's learn more about valak why valak is here what valak's purpose is what what the whole goal of valak is and also my other goal for the nun too patrick they again while i did bump up against the we got to cast a whole different actor and reshoot the scene and make it look you know maurice is actually the maurice from the first one okay again i, I know it's a minor stupid complaint people listen to this will probably be like dude stop but <laughs> If they're going to tie the nun to into a future conjuring movie, which we don't know, we've not heard for sure what's coming with the conjuring for the future of the conjuring universe beyond the nun to heard nothing about that. Although we all kind of suspect there's going to be another conjuring film at some point. These movies are way too successful for Warner brothers and new line cinema, not to do another film. 
my big want from this film is lead us into what is going to be the fourth conjuring film, which I get an itchy, itchy feeling they're going to announce sooner rather than later after this film comes out and make it lean into like the end game, you know, lean into the end game where if sister Irene is not actually the rain worn, which I really hope she's not that sister Irene plays a part. She comes back in the fourth conjuring movie to help them vanquish Valak once and for all, or, you know, this leads into that fourth conjuring movie where, you know, she partners up with where we find out she is Lorraine's sister or cousin sure. or aunt or whatever. And yeah. she shows back up in the fourth one. And, and, and that's the battle that that's what I hope for, because we know ultimately where the nun ends up, where Valak ends up in the conjuring two is where she actually makes her first appearance. And that's where it kind of becomes the mythology. And everyone loves that myth. Everyone loves that villain. Everyone loves that. I mean, Again, not even really the main person in the in the first Conjuring, but it's the main villain. We really learn about that in the second one. Everyone loves the nun. It's the most iconic image of the of the entire. It's it's even more so than Annabelle. Like Annabelle was the one in the first. Like that was the big thing in 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 the Conjuring universe. Now it's Valak. Give me a reason to make the nun two matter. And I guess yeah. that's my point. If you're gonna if you're gonna do the nun too, and we're just gonna carry on the story of Sister Irene, and she's gonna battle Valak again four years later in a new monastery, okay, whatever. Give me a reason for it to matter, because we already know that Valak shows up again in the nun, in the Conjuring two years later. So they don't stop Valak. We already know right. that. So if you're gonna, you, you've told me you, you've told me Valak's the villain. You've told me Valak's gonna survive, and you've told me Valak's gonna show up twenty years later, whatever it is, in London in The Conjuring Two, and of course with the Warrens in that movie as well. Fine. Give me a reason for this film to matter then, beyond just another film where Valak is there, because you've already shown her getting Jesus Christ's blood spit on her, and that doesn't kill it. So she came back again. She's coming back in the Nun Two. We already know she's going to show up in the Nun in uh, the Conjuring Two. Make it matter. Give me an end game here. What is the end game? Because if it's just we're going to continue to battle the Nun in in eighteen different movies and there's no point to it all, then it loses its purpose. Patrick, give me an end game. Give me a reason why the Nun Two exists. Please give us a reason. That's all we're asking for. Give us a reason. I like. I'm going to show up for the Nun. Uh, the nun two because I, I thought what they had in the nun one was going to be pretty cool and it looked great already and it's clearly that they're putting money into making sure that it looks good so let's make it look good absolutely or let's make it let's make it make sense it let's already make, looks good let's make it make sense let's make it make sense and make it have a purpose because if it's just another film about the nun t- attacking a monastery then I don't that's not what I yeah, want out gonna, of this franchise yeah exactly so all right there you go. Uh, we'll see. We will see. Well, we're going to review it, so we'll know in a matter of days. We're going to review it. Uh, let's let's uh, let's go back to another category, of course, which is can we survive this horror film? So, Patrick, this is where you and I. This has become my favorite category, where we inject ourselves into the movie that we're reviewing, and we actually ask the question: like, could you and I, as people, survive? this movie so we are somehow we are other produce people showing up to bring things to the abbey we are we're repairmen we're gonna fix the abbey we're showing up as like a couple of repairmen and we're gonna show up i'm a horny plumber yeah you're a horny plumber and i'm a horny uh, roofer uh (laughs) we're gonna show up and we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna fix the abbey can we survive the nun oh geez you know what i don't know damon 
because I don't know what the fuck was going on in the nun. How do I know if I'm going to survive? I don't know what's happening. I just the, the confusion, the level of confusion in this movie makes it so it makes it so hard to follow. So I don't know. I'll leave. I'll leave it up to the nun too to decide if I can survive. How about that, Damon? I'm going to throw I, that curveball here this time. I'm going to. Th- I'm going to say this, Patrick. Only one of us survives. Oh. I don't know which one it is though, because apparently the nun needs something to inhabit to leave. Even though the nun keeps killing people, that could help her get help it get out. <laughs> so only one of us makes it out alive. Even though there's a double choice of which one of us could help the nun get out. Only one of us can't because apparently it's going to kill the other one. So one of us is going to make it out alive. We're going to be carrying the nun with us at the time. So I don't know which one of us it's going to be, you know, the horny plumber, the horny roofer. One of us is getting out and the other one's going to die a horrible death at the hands of the nun because apparently even though the nun's entire goal is to escape the abbey and get out into the world, the nun just keeps killing people. Um, (laughs) That's a good point. Yes, Uh, at least least one person's getting out. One of us makes it. And apparently, the nun can infect multiple people at once because it was it spat in the face of G- Jesus Christ's blood was in his face while it was inhabiting Frenchie, and it didn't affect it. So, why not one more? You know, <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> I am genuinely exhausted. <laughs> and but you know what's weird is I am looking forward to the nun too. <laughs> I am too. Like, I'm I am now that I've watched the movie. I'm very much looking forward to. Seeing I'm weirdly. I'm weirdly. Too. I'm weirdly like. I'm weirdly attracted to these movies. I don't. I don't. I don't I'm weirdly invested <laughs> in it now. <laughs> you, the horny roofer, weirdly attracted to this movie. That makes total sense. I, you, the horny plumber. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I, I. It's it's super weird. But I'm like, yeah. Now I want to see the nun two more. Here's what I will say. I will say this. Part of the reason why I'm invested in this and part of the reason why the mythology and the story that unbugged me so much is because I love franchise connected universes. You know, horror has been doing it for decades. Something that Marvel just figured out, you know, like 15 years ago, like people will dig a connected universe where our characters are interacting and stories continue from one movie to another and sequels and blah, blah, blah. Horror has been doing that forever. That's why there's like 14 Jason Voorhees movies. There's like 10 Freddy Krueger movies. There's 20 Michael Myers movies. We like franchises and stories that carry on. That's a staple of horror. The Conjuring is probably the biggest one going. Like as far as like a current filmed universe in horror, The Conjuring is the biggest and best. So even though The Nun lost me in a lot of ways in terms of the story, I want it to succeed because I like these connected shared universes. I, again, I legitimately was like, this is awesome. When they showed the scene with Ed and Lorraine Warren at the end of the nun, I was like, that's awesome. That was cool. I like seeing those characters back. That's why I said, if they can end the nun too, and sister Irene shows up in the fourth conjuring movie, dude, I'm, I'm in, you got my money. Well, they're going to get my money either way, but like that will be cool. Like that's, that's a cool time. Or because I know that Damien Bashir is not scheduled to appear in the nun Two. at least publicity. They might have him show up surprise character. Maybe Damien Bashir shows up in the conjuring Four. that would be cool. Like some connection to these films beyond Valak would be a cool way. So yeah, I'm invested and I want them to succeed. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Despite how frustrated I am with this movie, I can't wait to see the next one. <laughs> All right, last category is always Patrick. Is it scary? So, Patrick, at the end of the day, the nun is it scary? 
obviously, Damon, you and I are immensely desensitized to uh, horror films. So for us, I don't think this is a scary movie, but I do think it would scare somebody like my wife, who's a seasoned horror aficionado in, in her own right. Um, it has all the trappings of a scary movie. So, yeah, it's scary. But and, and again, this is an odd movie. It's sort of, you know, like when you go back and see like a Clive Barker movie that you hadn't really seen before and you're like, boy, this is just odd. That's like what the nun is. The nun is like the nun is like a, a, a puppet master seven or like, <laughs> you know, Hellraiser bloodline. Like, it's just like, boy, look at that odd movie that a lot of people have seen and a lot of people know. But it's just you watch it and you go, how did this ever take off? I don't I don't get how this ever made sense to anybody. That's kind of how this movie feels to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, I would say it's scary. When we finished the movie last night, I said I always like to gauge whether or not my girlfriend was scared because I'm a sicko and don't get scared by a lot of horror yeah. movies, even though I love horror movies. Um, she was she said, I liked it. It was pretty scary. And I'm like, boom, right there. It's scary because yeah. that's she is the casual audience goer, the person who's helping make this movie a $330 million movie or $300 million movie. Yeah, it's scary. It works. And as I said, even though I bump up against some of the camera work that kind of ruined the scares for me a little bit because they did it so much, I think the only the reason it bugged me is because the scares up to that point were working. They just overdid it. Like, like they're like, they kept going for the same scare over and over and over again. The first two or three worked. And then by the midway point of the movie, it's like, I know it's coming because you're doing the same technique over and over again, but it still works for a lot of people. And the first three or four worked for me really well as well. So yeah, it's scary. And by and large, these conjuring films are scary and good jump scares, genuinely creepy, Bonnie Aarons absolutely kills it as the nun. I, I mean, again, I nuns and no, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, I'm not bashing religion here, Pat. I'm not doing that. Like, and I know you're Catholic, so you could probably explain this, but like I was the, nuns, the, 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 I don't know the exact wording of the garb that nuns wear the frock or whatever it is that they yeah. wear. It's a creepy looking outfit with just like the, the head showing and then like their eye. It was just, it's a, it's a weird looking outfit to me, Patrick, as a non-Catholic, it, it nuns kind of freak me out in general. And you know why you put, nothing scared you, me? Because I grew up you, in a Catholic church. Yeah. But when you, when you put that with the demon nun, it's super scary. So like Bonnie Aaron's as the nun is super freaky. Uh, it is a scary ass creature. 100% scary ass, like top 10 scariest looking creatures and horror absolutely 100 percent. all hail the great bonnie aarons uh i hope she gets i just hope she gets boatloads of money for the nun and the nun too she deserves every bit of it because that that imagery is instantly iconic let me appropriate a quote from another of my favorite movies from the great john malkovich and i'm going to appropriate it for this purpose pay her pay that woman her money <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that's from no rounders come on man rounders wouldn't know uh, it you don't you've never seen rounders no all right guys it's been a good run <laughs> here on the living dead patrick's never seen rounders so we're gonna close out here and be done with the but you've never seen rounders no i've never seen Rounders. dude go watch rounders tonight or tomorrow when you have like two hours of your time it is one of the best movies ever. It is. It's the it's the creators who made Billions, the TV show Billions. Okay. Uh, it's got Matt Damon, Edward Norton, uh, and John Malkovich. Oh well, How those are all wrong? good names. How can you go? It is 
awesome. It's about poker. You're like guys playing like professional poker. It is. Oh, so that's good. probably why I don't. I don't like poker movies. Well, you you'll like this. It is so good. It is so good. Oh my god, I'm so broken hearted right now. You've never seen Rounders. I'm just not. But I guarantee you, like I saw the trailer, and I was like a poker movie. I'm good. Like I don't like poker movies. They never they never get me. And I've watched quite a few. And I'm just like, okay, it was a poker movie. Got Watch it. Rounders. I promise you, it's not your typical poker movie. It is so good. It is. Oh, I'm so broken hearted right now. You've never seen Rounders. <laughs> I quote that movie constantly, like beyond just that one line. I quote Rounders all the time. So, yeah, uh, Brian is Koppelman this plot and, more straightforward than the nun. Uh, yes, it actually makes sense. Okay, so, well then yeah. I will check it out if that's the yeah. case because I need yes. something to cleanse my palate of yeah. of a messy plot. It does. It makes a lot of sense. This is this, we're going way off topic here, getting on Rounders, <laughs> which is totally not a horror movie, but Rounders is great. Rounders is a great. We movie. have diverted multiple times tonight, and that's because. It's very hard to talk about a movie as nonsensical as The Nun. Yes, there you go. All right, well, we'll be back to talk about The Nun 2 in a matter of days as we get geared up for the next... And, and Rounders, yes, of course. <laughs> we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, kids get kids got crocodile blood in him. Won't go away. So, yeah, I could quote that movie all day. Um, anyways... Or as alligator blood. I said crocodile blood. Alligator blood, he says. He's got a great Russian accent. John Malcolm. I wouldn't have so known. Good. Yeah, John John Malkovich is so good. Now. Well, I'm a I'm a stickler for correct movie lines, and you know it's like when people say the wrong lines from Jaws when they're like, "We need oh, bigger yeah. boats." Yeah, it bugs me when people do that. So yeah, I had to get it right. Anyways, uh, we'll be back in a matter of days to talk about the Nun two, uh, and hopefully we'll have a slightly better opinion of this movie. I didn't hate the Nun, didn't hate it at all. I think what bugged me the most is like I said, the bones were there for a good movie, and it just kind of didn't work in terms of the story. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how the Nun 2 turns out, and we'll be back to review that. If you got questions, comments, if you want to give us your opinion on the Nun, please send it. I would love to hear it. I've heard a lot of people online talk about this as like the weakest installment in the in the Conjuring universe, so I was kind of curious how it was going to play out. So if you got questions, comments, or, or you'd like to tell us about your opinion of the Nun, hit us up on email, rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rotlivingdead.com at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media channels just search rewind of the living dead on twitter on facebook or instagram uh, and you can also subscribe to our youtube channel if you want to listen to the show there we have that as well and all of the podcast platforms to listen to the show apple podcast spotify and over on my website nerdcoremovement.com as well as anywhere else you get your podcast you'll find them there and you can also reach out to us personally become friends with us we're actually pretty friendly people even though we love scary movies uh, you can find us on our social media channels. I am on both Instagram and Twitter as Damon Martin, and you are? At Director Patrick. Want to say a big thank you, as always, for everyone that tunes into the show. We'll be back next week to talk about The Nun 2. Stay tuned for more Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Peace. <laughs>